fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. It is a pre-Friday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week because we see the light at the end of the tunnel Friday right around the corner. I know you're excited. I'm excited. You scream ice cream. We all scream for ice cream. I love, however, I go live and before the radio program actually starts, we got our live streams up and going for all of the different sites that pick us up on the interweb and for our own personal social media. And I'm talking, introducing what's coming up on the show, getting things ready. And then the intro starts, and we're about ready to get going live. And I look over, and the live video stream, some for some reason, had the audio setting change, and nothing's going out on the audio. So they get the show now, but man, the whole prelude of me like talking to myself, apparently it was just that, talk, <laughs> talking to myself. And no one even knowing what the heck I was saying. Welcome into the show. Great to have you along for the ride today. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station all over the country. Radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Welcome aboard. We love you to death. You're a millennial general reporting for duty like I do every single day. Don't want to waste any time. We have a lot to get to today, and we want to jump right off the bat with it. Bottom of the hour, John Tamney. He is author of the book, The Money Confusion, as we talk about the FTX crypto scandal. I don't even know what that entails, so we'll look forward to chatting with him. But right now, I want to shift gears. As just earlier this morning, we sat down with a senator out of the great state of Oklahoma, Senator James Lankford, to talk about what's going on with the latest votes in Washington, D.C., and this is what he had to say right here on The Voice of Reason. Senator, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. Merry Christmas to you as well. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Good to talk with you. You guys did waste any time getting back up to D.C. after the midterm elections of 2022, and already uh, the Democrats trying to ram through some stuff left and right, and uh, it's been frustrating because we haven't even had a chance to change leadership yet, which I'm guessing is why they're trying to ram through as much as they are right now. It is actually, they're trying to be able to cram through as much as they possibly can in the time after the election and before the transition in the House of Representatives, uh, the new leadership and new direction over there. And it has been busy with both a bill on same-sex marriage. Uh, they've worked their way through. Uh, they've uh, We've been fighting through the National Defense Authorization. It should have been done months ago. And then the uh, major spending for all of the federal agencies, uh, those bills should, were due to be done in September. Uh, they've never even been brought up to committee, and Senator Schumer says he plans to bring them up next week or maybe the next, uh, but this is $1.5 trillion uh, in a spending bill that no one has even seen nor had an opportunity to even discuss in a committee uh, that Senator Schumer wants to bring up. So it is a very, very full uh, December. Yeah, it's a full December. Let's start off with the Respect for Marriage Act is what they're calling it. Uh, Senator, I don't understand why we need this bill. We already have the Supreme Court that said that you have the constitutional right to be married if you are if you are gay or whatever, part of the LGBTQ community. Why do we need this bill, and what was the whole purpose of them trying to ram this through? Well, that was my number one question. When this is uh, already protected by the Supreme Court since 2015, uh, why is this bill needed was my exact question. And the answer is when you read the text of it, not the title, but when you read the actual text of it, you find out why this is needed. This, this allows individuals... Uh, that uh, feel that they have been, quote-unquote, harmed. That's the language in the bill. If they feel like they've been harmed 
by another individual who disagrees with same-sex marriage, they can file a lawsuit against them uh, to try to uh, put damages on them for disagreeing with them on same-sex marriage. Uh, So this is designed to not give respect to all people. This is designed to be able to tilt the scales uh, towards one group. There is not religious liberty protections for individuals that disagree. They can't file a lawsuit if they're discriminated against, uh, but individuals that feel like they are discriminated against uh, based on their preferences on same-sex marriage, they can file suit against others to try to silence them and make sure that people can't speak out and disagree. So this is going to cause lawsuits all over the country in the days ahead, and that's what it's designed to do, uh, to try to silence disagreement. Well, that is a cause for concern, especially like you mentioned, the religious liberty. Now, are churches protected? I mean, obviously you would think in a normal world that if a church disagrees with your point of view, you're probably not going to that church anyways. But does this open up the opportunity for lawsuits to say, hey, I'm going to go and test this ability for have, to have this church do this performance for me? And if they don't, then I'm going to go ahead and sue them. Is that what we're looking at in the future here with this bill? Well, it could be in the days ahead. I'm sure someone will test that out. The language of the bill does protect churches, that they don't have to perform a same-sex marriage. Uh, So it's very particular in the way that it writes it, that they don't have to participate in any kind of ceremony. Uh, But the next question is, is if they cooperate with government for anything. Uh, In other words, if they do a homeless shelter they partner with the city on, or an adoption agency, or foster care entity, or uh, a food pantry that they cooperate with the city on, If they cooperate with city or government at all, that puts them in liability then that they can be sued to be able to silence them or force them to be able to change. So it's going to cause a lot of chaos and a lot of lawsuits saying, okay, yes, you don't have to perform the ceremony, but if you want to be a participant in anything in in your community, uh, we're going to find a way to be able to try to push you back and, and silence you. That's where the real threat's going to be. Yeah, it seems like they've continued to push the envelope since the case a few years ago with the baker out of Colorado that didn't want to bake the cake for the gay wedding. And since then, it's just if you don't agree with us, then we're just going to completely abuse you and take you to court and make you spend lots of money and try and punish you for it. It is actually there was actually a case in the Supreme Court this Monday. In fact, I was on the steps of the Supreme Court uh, Monday speaking out on this in a small rally event that there that uh, had happened. And the case is called 303 Creative. It is a a website designer in Colorado uh, that she creates websites and has done for years, but she's also a Christian. And so she has on her website, hey, I don't do websites that have profanity. I don't do websites that talk about certain religious issues that disagree with my faith. I also don't do uh, websites for same-sex marriages. It's against my religion. Well, the state of Colorado filed suit against her and said, you can't say that Uh, on your site, you need to instead say that you will do same-sex marriages uh, on your website. And so she's taking this case all the way to the Supreme Court because literally the state of Colorado is forcing her to say something that she disagrees with based on her faith. And uh, so that now is in front of the Supreme Court. It's not just Jack the Cake Baker. Uh, It's now also a website designer that uh, the state of Colorado is trying to be able to take them all the way to the Supreme Court and have. Good golly, it never ends. We're talking with U.S. Senator James Langford from the state of Oklahoma. Let's shift gears to economic issues. You and I love to talk about this issue, and we've talked about it before regarding the federal budget. We've yet to pass an actual federal budget with the 12 appropriations bills. We haven't done it since the Obama administration. But now we're up again um, with a continuing resolution that ends on, uh, what, in the next week or so here on the 16th, I believe. And, and again, 
we're not looking at passing an actual federal budget. It's just, are we going to pass a continuing resolution, which I'm sure there's going to be even more spending included into it. And if we don't pass it, then we're the most horrible human beings on the face of the earth that's going to shut down the government and let people die in the streets, right? Yeah, that, that's what we're up against. So none of us have, have even seen a draft of the spending bill. This is $1.5 trillion plus in new spending that Senator Schumer wants to do that's related to all of our federal agencies. It's everything from agriculture and education to transportation. It's, it's all included for all of the agencies. The way this is designed to happen is each of the 12 bills gets debated in committee. It comes before the Senate. They get debated and they work along. None of these bills have even been to subcommittee, much less full committee. No one has seen any of the text on any of these bills, and it's all due to be done by December the 16th. And this will be thousands and thousands of pages uh, of text. And so it is very frustrating uh, the way that Senator Schumer has done the clock management here. Uh, but we're facing that again. And it, you're right, it's going to be government shutdown or it's going to be continuing resolution, which just means keep spending the same amount we did last year, just do that again, or whatever this giant bill is going to be. Uh, so we're we're fighting our way through this, trying to be able to talk through what we think might be in it. Uh, but no one has seen the text actually know what might be in it and won't know until probably late next week. We just need to use the uh, plan from Nancy Pelosi, right? We need to pass it to see what's in it. I mean, that's the philosophy that's today, exactly right? right? Yeah, absolutely. That's where they are. So the <laughs> National Defense Authorization is actually on the floor of the House uh, this week uh, is one that Senator Inhofe has worked through. But that has gone through committee. That's gone through process. Uh, people are well aware of uh, the details that are in it. I've worked through different issues for our bases and posts all around Oklahoma. Uh, there's a VA uh, program in Tulsa that uh, we've been very diligent on. That's including this bill. We're aware of what's in this bill because we've been able to debate it and have had some insight on it. Uh, but the the bill for appropriations, we have no idea. I've seen nothing on it. Good golly. Now, talking about the National Defense Authorization Bill or the defense bill, uh, we've heard as well, I mean, as you go through some of this stuff, how much in it is actually not related to military? Because my understanding is this is for our military funding to defend the nation. What else is in it that's not military related? Well, that's a couple of things we've been fighting off this week. We got to the end of the negotiations on the bill, and Senator Schumer and Pelosi said, well, we also want to do a marijuana section of this bill uh, for marijuana legalization. And, oh, we want to do a, a whole a whole other new entitlement program. And, oh, we want to do uh, other things on permitting. Uh, that no one has seen uh, before on how they're going to change the uh, aspects on permitting for uh, transmission lines and for oil and gas. And I just don't trust any of that process for them. We were able to successfully fight all of those off uh, and to say, hey, we're not going to do non-defense things into this, especially things we've never even debated uh, before in the House and the Senate, never even been through committee. No one's had an opportunity to speak into. Uh, So we've been successfully fighting those off for the last several weeks. And uh, we're able to be able to get those out. We were able to get something into it as well in the debate, and that is protection on the COVID vaccine. Uh, this has one, been one of my big frustrations the last two years is how the Biden administration has been firing members of the military if they don't cave on the issue of the COVID vaccine. Yeah. If they had a religious uh, exemption on it, they weren't given that answer at all. They were just put on hold on the side uh, or individuals that just said, hey, I, I don't want to be able to do this particular vaccine. Uh, we're now through the COVID for the uh, folks that are uh, least vulnerable. Uh, you're talking young and healthy, which is defined the members of our military as young and healthy. Uh, those folks are at very low risk in this, and we wanted to be able to give them the option to say they're not mandated to do that. We finally win that argument in this national defense authorization. 
That would be nice. I am excited about that. U.S. Senator James Lankford, I know you're a busy guy. I know we're running out of time. Last question for you, but now after the election this week on the final seat in the Senate, putting Democrats up 51 to 49 on uh, in this in the U.S. Senate, is there a concern about the repealing of the filibuster to where we could see some more extreme bills coming out of the Senate with the Democrats leading right now? Or do you think that the filibuster may actually stay intact for a while? I think the filibuster will stay intact because they don't have the House of Representatives. Uh, if they're going to kill the filibuster, they want to have the House at the same time uh, so they can ram through all the bills in rapid speed. The House is not going to do that since it's just Republican control. What it does affect, though, is every single committee was equally divided last year uh, with equal numbers. Now every committee will not have equal numbers for this next session, which means they'll be able to get things through committee very fast, including nominees. Uh, there were a lot of nominees that were some of the worst of the worst progressives uh, that we were able to stop uh, last in the last two years uh, in committee uh, that we will not be able to stop anymore. There'll be no restraint for the type of people that Biden's going to put in his administration now. So we expect some very hardcore progressives uh, to come into the administration even more so uh, than what they already have. Something to look forward to for 2023, I guess. But, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But at least we have the House representatives, and you guys I know are fighting the best you can in the Senate. It's U.S. Senator James Langford from the state of Oklahoma. I appreciate the time very much, my friend. Keep up the fight. It's going to be a big 2023 year. Even though we have the minority in the Senate, I'm still optimistic about doing something somewhat reasonable. So keep up the fight. Look forward to chatting with you again real soon, my friend. Will do. Look forward to it. God is still God. Nothing's changed on that. So we'll keep up the work and keep it. So I just tell everybody, pray and go to work. And uh, we'll keep at the task on it. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas to you. Back here on The Voice of Reason. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today for a pre-Friday celebration. Thanks again to U.S. Senator James Langford out of the state of Oklahoma. Great guy to talk to. We appreciate everything he's doing out there. This is the mindset now of the Republicans. So just to let you know, this National Defense Authorization Act, or the military funding bill, that is officially passed it now out of the House of Representatives with a vote of, I want to say only 80 people voted against it. Let me see if I can find the vote here. Yeah, I want to say only 80 individuals voted against it, but it was a pretty overwhelming pass because Republicans say they got what they wanted out of it. They were able to repeal the COVID-19 vaccine mandates for the military individuals, which is a good win. That should have been like common sense. Like, yeah, let's get rid of that. That's not even on the table as a negotiation. We need to negotiate further by getting rid of other things, like he had mentioned uh, during our conversation with getting rid of the marijuana in the bill. What does that have to do with military? Why is that not a separate bill to be discussed on its own? I got to say, man, I'm really tired of those bills where they just cram all of this garbage into it. We need to have specific bills for each specific thing, and then we know exactly what it is. And when you call it something, that's what it actually has to be referred to as. That's what it has to be involving. Not just like, oh, yeah, it's a military bill, so what are you going to do? Oh, yeah, we're going to unionize journalists to be able to get paid from social media when they have their articles distributed on social media to make sure that they get their fair share because we want their content out there unionizing an already unionized organization like journalism and media so that way they get their fair shake from social media. What does that have to do with the military and national defense 
in the budget for the military. Now, we did get like a 4.6, 4.8% increase in salary for the military. That's awesome. But here's where we get to play the game, and here's where Democrats love to play their game. According to CNN, Joe Biden in the Biden administration says that it's a quote-unquote mistake to repeal the vaccine mandate for the military, but they don't know whether Biden will sign it or not. So here's the way that they love to play this game, is that, as we know, they pressure Republicans to do stuff, and if we don't do it, then we're the most uh, most evil human beings on the face of the earth. We want people dying in the streets. We don't want the military to get their pay bumps. We don't want the military to get their benefits. We're the heartless jerks that actually don't care about the military, which obviously isn't true in any way, shape, or form, but that's the way they uh, push us to be, and they accuse us of being... And that's what they go after. So they say that we don't care about them, so you need to push this. While we say, no, we only want specific things in the bill. And when we do compromise, they throw us the bone, and then they act holier than thou, like the Biden administration, saying, well, it's a mistake, but we'll still consider signing it. Republicans negotiated this in there, and it's a minute piece of the bill that really doesn't do anything except for you know, get rid of a, ma- a vaccine mandate that shouldn't have been there in the first place. It's a mistake. We don't like it, but we'll allow it if you do something else for us. Yeah, take lessons, Republicans. Take lessons, for uh, conservatives, because this is how they dominate. When you act as the authoritator, you become the authoritator. Remember the whole talk? You know, if you go to, uh, who are some of the motivational speakers? I don't even remember some of their names. I don't follow any motivational speakers because I am that speaker. Ha <laughs> ha! Although I'm not much motivational, I'm just more of an entertainer. But nonetheless, uh, you ever go to the motivational speakers that are like, hey, yeah, the whole group of people in society, and they're just going along, they're sitting in the norm, they're just kind of going along with everybody else, they're the sheep, they're the followers. You need to be that leader. You need to be the one to stand out. You need to set that trend. You need to do this. Well, guess what? That's what Democrats are doing. They set the tone. They act as the holier-than-now elitist of, we'll allow this. We'll allow the Republicans to have some part of this Uh, bill in here as long as you pass the 95 percent that's a bunch of garbage that doesn't really do anything will allow your little peon bill to be in here as well i guess won't consider it and the republican leadership of mitch mcconnell and kevin mccarthy and the other rhino republicans oh thank you hey we did it all right we go ahead and pass it now we're all good I'm very concerned about our leadership in 2023. I don't know. Got to be honest. I'm a little concerned of what it's going to look like as we move forward. It's time for Republicans to act like the leaders. Be the adults because the Democrats, they're the temper tantrum teenagers that are throwing the temper tantrum every every time they don't get what they want. It's time for us to stand up and be the adults and say, no, you can't have that candy. Put it down. No more stimulus. Bad Democrats. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right you are. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today for a pre-Friday celebration. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. We love you to death. Always love you and appreciate you joining into the show and having a conversation. Unveiling the layers of the onion, going a bit deeper than what most talk show hosts do on the radio or anywhere else. Welcome back in as we talk about the... Leadership out of Washington, D.C., it is a cause for concern. I do want to get into some other issues later on if we have a chance as well regarding the Tweety investigations on AOC and more. There's a tweet from Adam Schiff. If you remember that, Yahoo, the one trying to impeach... 
former President Donald Trump multiple times for the ridiculousness. Uh, he's made some claims on Twitter because he hates the fact that you have free speech on the Tweety now. We'll get into that here in just a bit. But as we talk about social media in the interweb, this is, I got to admit, this is not an area of expertise for me in any way, shape, or form, which is why I'm really excited to have our next guest on the program. What's trending today? As we try to learn more about, now again, I'm part of the millennial generation. I'm 34, and yet I still don't know much about cryptocurrencies or some of those online currencies. And many of my listeners, I get messages all the time asking, what the heck is this that's going on? And I got to admit, I, I I don't know a whole lot. And this is why we're here is to educate ourselves. So uh, I'm learning just as much as you are as we go here. i excited to have our next guest on the program. He's back on with us, which is good to have. The Money Confusion is the book, How Illiteracy About con- uh, Currencies and Inflation Sets the Stage for the Crypto Revolution. What is the future of the crypto industry? Excited to head back on the program with us here, Mr. John Tamney. John, how are you, my friend? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. And what do I think the future is? I think it's what it's always been. Uh, You understand money intimately because you understand what it is to buy things. Money is as old as production is. It was sometimes cowrie shells. Sometimes it was cigarettes. Sometimes it's been it's been teeth. It's been all sorts of things throughout throughout history. We've always needed something that we agree upon as a measure of value to exchange real wealth with. And so the crypto future I see is just private money that's more trustworthy, that's less likely to be devalued, essentially replacing government money that has a history of being devalued. Mm, That's a good way to look at that. I I love that perspective from it. Is there still a future with cryptocurrencies now? I've been watching it. I have, I want to say I put in about a year ago, I put about $160 into like Dogecoin and Shiba coin. And I think I'm down to like 60 bucks right now. So I didn't put a whole lot into it. And I've been watching it slowly drop. But uh, with the quote unquote bust in the bubble that we're seeing in cryptocurrencies go down, I know that uh, uh, Bitcoin dropped to one of the lowest levels that it's seen in a long time just recently. Is there still a future for it? And are we just going through a transitional phase or is it dying off, do you think? Of course there's a future. And the future is, is, is insured by the fact that there's been this big correction. That's a sign of a market that's getting serious, of a market that's getting serious about uh, sifting out what doesn't make sense, what's not worthy as a measure of money. Let's never forget that 100 years ago, thousands of car makers were formed in the industrial Midwest. Just about every single one of them failed. Did that signal the end of cars? No, it signaled their emergence as an essential fact of life. Remember, at the beginning of the 21st century, just about every Internet company died. Uh, was that a sign of the Internet shrinking as part of our lives? Quite the opposite. And so I think what we're seeing here is the inevitable shaking out of the bad on the way to a very serious private market for money emerging that's going to push out government money. And that will be good because we work for money, but what we're working for is what money can be exchanged for. So when governments devalue our money, we get robbed of the fruits of our work. And so we're going to see markets basically lean on government to get better about it. Yeah, I like that. So you're saying my 7 million shares of Shiva coin might actually be valued. It, uh, if I tell you, if it hits a penny, I will be making a lot of good money and I may not be on the radio any longer. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, but but I, and, and you're, you're kidding around, but you're, you're making an essential point that people need to hear. Yeah. yeah. If people are speculating on money, that's the surest sign that it's not money. Good money you don't speculate on because it would be like speculating on the, the foot. Well, the foot is constant. 
historically money was constant too. And as I stress in the book, until the 1970s, there weren't even currency markets. And there weren't currency markets just because the dollar had a stable definition. And the world's currencies were pegged to the dollar, which was at 135th of an ounce of gold. And so what's odd is modern times of floating money. That's the historical non-norm. And I think we're going to see a reversal back to more trusted money in the future. I like that. So now the next question is with individuals going that way and with the evolution of currency and with more people getting on to crypto, how and when is the government going to come in and begin to regulate it and find a way to control it and or tax it uh, down the road? Because you know that's what they're going to try and do here soon. Well, it's a great question, and I'm optimistic there because I don't think governments can regulate what they don't understand. And they've proven over time that they don't really get money. And so I think what's going to happen is kind of out of nowhere. Remember how Uber, all of a sudden, everyone was using Uber to get rides? And it was so fast, it, it, it flew so fast into the popular culture, that governments were too late to regulate it in any meaningful way, which was a good thing. And I think we're going to say the same thing here, precisely because the crash has people thinking... It's just it's going to be hard for government to regulate something that they can't touch or feel, and that's good. And so gradually we're just going to see – you say that you're 34. I think we're going to see young people, kids in their 20s, more and more using private money to transact, and they will teach us how to use it. And by the time we all learn, it will be too late for government to regulate it too much. That would be really nice. I mean, as conservatives that we are, we like as little government regulation as possible. And with the value of the dollar going down, something's got to be done. I know there's been a push uh, on the physical level to try and go back to a gold standard of some way of individuals trying to invest in precious metals with gold and silver. But this almost seems like it's another alternative to that that is going to be difficult for the government to get their hands on, or like you said, to even understand in the first place, that's going to open up a lot of doors. When do you think the consumer market, the private market, is going to start accepting more diverse types of cryptocurrencies. I know like Tesla is trying to accept Dogecoin for those that want to buy Tesla vehicles and that sort of stuff. But when it, when can it become tangible enough to use it with everyday transactions, do you think? Well, it, one of the things that I predict in the book is that Elon Musk will be one of the people who brings crypto or private money to us. And, and I speculate that the, in the book that the reason he bought was going to looking to buy Twitter and has now bought it is because he views it as a way to uh, spread trusted money around the world. And so when do I think, my sense is it's already happening now, but I think fairly soon we're going to start hearing about people going into retailers and saying, do you take this kind of coin? Do you take this kind of token? And it's just going to be a very sudden thing. Uh, nowadays, we say, do you take American Express? Do you take Discover? Do you take Visa? Uh, more and more, we're going to see it, young people in particular, going into younger focused stores. Do you take this? And it's just going to happen. Suddenly, more and more people will circulate what they trust. And with that, you're going to see it's just it's going to be a very rapid and very exciting development because one of the most the worst things you can do to a society is to stabilize the money. And private money, I think, is going to be the path to removing that destabilization. We're talking with John Tamney, author of the book, The Money Confusion, How Illiteracy About Currencies and Inflation Sets the Stage for the Crypto Revolution, which you can find John on his Tweety, at John Tamney, and you can see all the information there as well. Talk about real quickly, and I, I have to admit, I don't know much about this, along with a lot of my listeners asking what in the world is going on here, but the FTX crypto scandal that's been in the news lately, 
What happened and what's going on here? My sense is I think a lot of people are going to regret saying too much because I think there's so much we don't know. Uh, I think on the surface, my obvious sense is the, the, the correction that you and I have discussed uh, made a lot of crypto uh, plays a bad thing or, or you know, basically a bad investment, uh, made them insolvent, uh, forced them into bankruptcy. I don't get the feeling that he's a crook or anything like that. If he is, let's throw the book at him. Yeah. My sense is that as with every development in any business sector, there's always lots of failure at first. Again, think of the internet. Think of think of the car of cars. Anything that's new, there's going to be a lot of attempts to invent the future that are going to end in fiery bad fashion. And I just think this is one of them. It's so unfortunate. You hurt like hell for the people who've lost money. But this is the inevitable. This is this is what's called progress. A lot of failure has to take place on the way to progress. Yeah, well, it's kind of like the, it's just the trial and error period. As we get this more streamlined and we have more of a set standardized system of cryptocurrency, it's kind of the trial and error of what works and what doesn't work is kind of what I'm getting the feeling of this, correct? Absolutely. And this is true in all ways. Let's not forget that when the 20th century was ending, most transactions were still paid for via check sent U.S. mail. I mean, the vast majority, over 90%. Nowadays, think about all that we do just on the internet. But it took a lot of mistakes, a lot of ridicule about the internet, no profits, and Amazon.org, and all these insults of what was new. Of Jeff Bezos, there's video of him going on Jay Leno's talk show and being ridiculed about his company. You have to get through a lot of this to get to the good stuff, and I think we're going to see it here. John, we got about 30 seconds here as we kind of wrap things up. Uh, this is not advice on investments in any way, shape, or form, but are you preferential to one type of cryptocurrency than another? Is it Bitcoin? Is it the Dogecoin? Is it something new that's coming up? What do you think is going to take off here soon? I'm not preferential. I predict in the book that Bitcoin will be the Netscape of this big boom, something that, that leads it but ultimately isn't uh, standing at the end. I don't have a preference. What I have a preference for is money that's trusted. And we haven't seen that yet. Once that money comes out that's circulated, that holds its value throughout time, that's what I want. As in, I want the investment that doesn't go up. Yeah, the stability. The stability in the market is what it's yeah. all about, and that's where it's at. John Tamney, the money, cur- uh, the money Confusion is the book. Go and check it out. John, it's great to talk to you again, my friend. Let's do it again real soon. Thanks for having me on. Hey, always a pleasure. I love talking about it, learning more about it. A new industry and something that I'm looking forward to learning more about. All right, we'll take a break. We'll wrap up the program today. With just the last few minutes of it, what else is going on out there in the world? Right back here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into it. Last few minutes of the program. Thanks again to John Tamney on the program. Fascinating conversation. Again, I'm trying. I'm really trying. Trust me, I'm trying to catch up with the times. <laughs> I'm kind of an old school guy. I may only be quote unquote 34 and not as old as other individuals that are on the radio, but I'm trying to be hip and cool and retro with some of the cryptocurrencies. I just I I have a little bit of money into it. It's kind of a kind of a fun thing to watch and so far, it hasn't paid off, but if we hang on to it, then maybe it'll work its way back up again as it stabilizes itself. But uh, John Tammy, you can check out his book, 
on the illiteracy of currencies uh, on Amazon and his website and his tweet as well, at John Tamney. I'm trying to read this Twitter page here. Adam Schiff, as you know, the Democrat congressman from California that tried to go after Donald Trump and was able to get Trump impeached twice due to the Russian collusion that didn't actually happen at all. Yeah, that guy. That guy. That's right. Well, he's one of them that are on the bandwagon of the left side of the aisle that absolutely despises uh, the open free speech on social media because you need to have it censored. You need to try and silence people. You need to try and shut them down. You can't have an open dialogue or conversation. Yeah, that guy. Adam Schiff made a tweet earlier this morning, uh, and this is what he tweeted. On Elon Musk's Twitter, slurs against black people have tripled. Slurs against women are up 33%. Slurs against Jewish people are up 61%. And slurs against gay men are up 58%. These numbers are abysmal and unacceptable. Today, Representative Market Takano and I are demanding action. From Elon Musk's Twitter. Now, Elon Musk himself commented on the post and said, all of this is false. Hate speech impressions are actually down by a third for Twitter now versus prior to the acquisition. Uh, whoopsies. Whoopsies. <laughs> no, I don't know where Adam Schiff is getting his information on why he thinks that it's up 33%, 61%, 58%, all these different numbers that he's quoting out there on the hate speech that's on social media. I'm assuming that it's just whatever he's seeing on his feed that he considers to be slur or hate speech, which to Democrats, it's any time a, a Republican tweets out anything at all. It could be about taxes and, oh, he hates, you know, poor people. That's a slur against poor people. Oh, um, I here's a picture of my family. Merry Christmas. Oh, that's a slur against black people because apparently there's no black people in the family or vice versa. Like, that's how loon, how crazy the Democrats have been lately. Uh, Elon Musk, I'm assuming, has actually the trends that are going on social media, and he did tag the hashtag community notes on there as well to where you can see some of the trends that are going on on social media. So I'm assuming that he's got some more accurate numbers than Adam Schiff. It's kind of fun when Democrats get called out on the lies that they try to promote because they just like to spread random things and then hopefully people get on board. Because if you say it enough times, then people actually believe it. And if Democrats are able to say that all of this hate speech is going on on social media once you get rid of a lot of the censorship, then less Democrats will want to use it and therefore you become an echo chamber for one side, which is what they want because they don't actually want a dialogue. Kind of like how the Democrats are eating their own with AOC now that she's being attacked by the Democratic Socialist Party or the Democrat, what is it, the, uh, what do they call themselves? The Democratic Socialists of America, the DSA, as they're attacking her for supporting the ending of the railroad strike because they shut down the union and did not allow the union to push the envelope even further. How dare them? She's getting attacked there. And then the Democrats are trying to find a way to defend on why the Biden administration has released a Brittany Griner from Russia and why they did the trade with the Russian mobster, the, what do they call him? The, uh, hold on here. I got to find his name again. Uh, the Russian arms dealer, that they called, he had some crazy name, the, the the bringer of death or something crazy, a nicknamed of death, the bout with the flamboyant arms dealer that's in our, uh, that's in our custody, that's actually been a terrorist. That's who he traded out for a women's basketball player that smoked pot in Russia. By the way, the one that knelt for the national anthem and hated our country, we've now traded a terrorist for a women's WNBA player because... 
that's a fair trade. We're going to trade an arms dealer that despises the nation that's a terrorist for a women's basketball player who despises the country. That And they're trying to defend it, saying, oh, well, you know what? She was being treated horribly, and the Biden administration standing up for the black female icon that was being treated like garbage. That was the quote word, by the way, from Van Jones on CNN. I mean, cool, I guess. I really hope she learned her lesson, and now she appreciates what this country does for her and that we don't throw her in jail for smoking the marriage of Juana like that, especially in a Russian prison that probably does not have the best uh, living conditions. But nonetheless, maybe she's changed her ways and she appreciates our country a little bit more. But again, welcome to the brilliancy of our trades from our Biden administration and our federal government. That does it for us today. Podcast up in a little bit. Back at it tomorrow for the final day of the week. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.